Welcome to Vitality Made Simple. The following production is for educational and entertainment purposes only. If you need medical advice, call your doctor. Now, let's go to Vitality Made Simple. Welcome to Vitality Made Simple, the podcast that empowers you to live younger, longer, so that you can more fully enjoy your relationships. It's my dis- wonderful pleasure to welcome Dr. Laura Miles today. She is someone I respect. She is someone I like. She is someone I trust. She is someone I recommend to any patient wow. who will listen. So, so I want to tell you just briefly about Dr. Miles. Um, you know, she's got a ton of credentials, which I'll tell you about. But the one thing that she possess- possesses that I so highly respect is curiosity. And I think that is something that is so rare among most healthcare providers, uh, especially uh, physicians, especially dentists. I mean, uh, we uh, often are afraid to be curious. We often run a, run away from curiosity. Uh, curiosity also requires a little humility uh, to admit that we're still learning. And uh, Dr. Laura Miles, just she is still learning. She is still teaching. She is still exploring. And she is looking for root cause problems in uh, every aspect of, of, of vitality, of health and wellness. So uh, Dr. Miles graduated with honors from the University of Oklahoma College of Medicine. Uh, Then, you know, that allowed her to uh, become an ophthalmologist. You know, it's always the top students that go into ophthalmology. (laughs) And um, so she she practiced practiced as an ophthalmologist, but then um, had sort of an epiphany uh, to transform her practice into functional medicine. She attended... um, the uh, American Academy of Anti-Aging Medicine. Uh, She's a fellow with that academy and she has lots of other credentials, lots of other education. But Dr. Miles, I want you to tell us about you. Tell us how you, you made that change from, you know, probably the almost predictable day of, of ophthalmology. I mean, not easy, but, but you knew what you were in for. There was already a model for that, but then you started something new. I remember you're the you're the absolute first doctor I ever knew that did functional medicine, integrative medicine, and I didn't know what it was. I met you in about 2010 as a patient. So how did that all happen? I was one of the first ones in Oklahoma, actually, I think. So, well, you know, it always starts with kind of your personal story. And, you know, I was in my late 30s. I was working. I had small kids. And I felt terrible. I was tired all the time. And you'd go to your doctor. I went to my doctor and they said, well, you know, there's nothing wrong. You must be depressed. And I was like, I'm not depressed. I'm tired. And so in order to try to figure out why I was so tired, I literally kind of stumbled into functional medicine and I went to one of their conferences and it just blew me away. It's like, wow, now this is underlying cause stuff that I really need to know more about, not to change my practice. It was to change me. And so I started feeling better. I started doing better. And suddenly all my friends were like, what are you doing? We want to take what you're taking. I was like, well, I don't know if you need what I need. Let's explore what you need. So it just kind of snowballed. And suddenly I had this full practice in my bedroom of my house, basically. Oh my goodness. an ophthalmologist. 
And I ended up kind of opening up a one uh, room office just to get my stuff out of the house. And then that was almost 16 years ago. So I've been doing it that long and it just kind of keeps growing. I keep learning. And the one thing I've learned is that I never know everything and I always have to ask the questions. So, and I think the curiosity, I love that because that's definitely how you and I connected was that we were both so curious of things. And and I'll never forget, you know, the time I was like, look, there's this high inflammation marker. I think it's coming from the mouth. Will you take a look? And that just well, that ballooned into everything. So it's been such an honor and pleasure working with you all these years in finding things. I call you my dental sleuth because like, <laughs> I'm going to send you to my dental sleuth because if there's something going on, she'll find it. So, oh, thanks, Laura. That. You are my inspiration for going through the American Academy of Anti-Aging Medicine. Mm-hmm. I remember calling you and saying, I don't, I don't know what to do as a dentist. I need to I got to learn way more. And you're like, do it, Debbie, just spend the money, spend the time, do it. And thank you for that. It's oh, absolutely really transformed everything. You know, you have this wonderful um, quote, it's your quote. I, I, I attribute it to you all the time when I tell my patients, but your quote on your website says, I teach my patients to take care of their health so that insurance doesn't have to take care of their disease. Yeah. And I just love that because it sort of, it, it wakes people up to know that, you know, they don't have to wait till they're sick. There's somebody who's going to, you know, dig right. deeply. And, and, and I appreciate so much when uh, I got my diagnosis of CLL and when you're the first person I went to and, and you had some things, do this, do this, do this, don't do this, don't do this. Um, you know, I just can't even explain to the audience how many people you've helped, uh, how many people oh, you've you. given hope to. And, you know, hope is, is very powerful medicine and you're truly integrative. I've watched your practice grow. Now you have, um, the IV lounge and, Mm -hmm. um, you're launching a course. Uh, I want the listeners to please stay tuned. Uh, Dr. Miles is going to talk about her course at the end on, um, Mm -hmm. on breast implant illness. So let's Mm -hmm. jump into breast implant illness. You did a Ted talk. Um, we were at your Ted talk and, um, it was fantastic. It was one, it was a Ted talk that, was right before COVID, right? And, uh, or in the midst. So it didn't get published. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it's yeah, awesome. It's so I want, uh, we'll have that um, at the end. Also, we want you to all watch uh, Dr. Miles' TED Talk and uh, just tell us how, you know, breast implant illness even got on your radar. Well, again, it also starts with your personal story. So I had had breast cancer and had, you know, mastectomy, I had implants. And about seven years later, I'd gone in for a routine MRI when they discovered one of my implants had ruptured. And it was like, oh, well, why should it rupture? Because I supposedly had some kind that weren't supposed to rupture. So I went to my plastic surgeon and I said, you know, the radiologist says this is ruptured. And he's like, impossible, it can't be ruptured. And I was like, well, but the paper says, that is ruptured. He's like, no, can't be ruptured. And I said, well, what if it is ruptured? What would we do? And he said, well, we take it out. And I was like, okay. So I said, well, let's take it out. And he finally agreed because they'd been in there for about seven years. So he took it out and I suddenly realized I'd hadn't been having this rash off and on for about eight months, never would completely go away. I saw a dermatologist. I tried all my tricks, never would really go away. The minute I got him out, rash went away. And, oh, my and I was like, Oh, 
I did not even realize that was connected. But Curiosity. then, you know, it went away. Yeah, so it was great. So, but I didn't think anything more about it. I was just blown and going, and I only replaced the one that was ruptured and went on my, my way. About three months later, I was in yoga, you know, in, in, in child pose, and I was like, ow, the other side was really painful. Not the side that was ruptured, but the other side. And then suddenly just like swelled up like that. It kind of felt like when you were nursing and it just had so much milk and it just couldn't get it out. It was that painful. And so I went back, you know, we ended up getting an ultrasound and they said, oh, you've got lots of fluid in there. And they started removing fluid and it was bloody fluid. And this is where being a physician always makes you go because bloody fluid usually means cancer. And they were thinking I had the anaplastic lymphoma that's associated with breast implants. And so, you know, there was a lot of drama about that. I finally decided um, that I really just needed to get these implants out, regardless of what the pathology had said. The pathology did come back negative, but I knew that if I kept them in, it was going to be even more of a problem. So I ended up having this very special procedure out of state that, you know, it was a 12 hour procedure. And at that time they discovered I had silicone migration into, but on both sides into the lymph nodes inside my chest. And, you know, I have, it's in the ICU for 24 hours. It's in the hospital for four days. I got out of that. I never felt better. And I had not even realized I wasn't feeling good until I got them out. And that's when I said, oh, these were a bigger problem than I thought. And so that was kind of ruminating and that was kind of sticking with me. And about the same time of all that, I had this beautiful patient come in and she said, you know, I've had my, I have my implants out. I had silicone migration into the lymph nodes under my arm. And I'm convinced that's still causing my problem. And she was having all these burning sensations, had gotten an autoimmune disease, felt terrible, couldn't get out of bed, couldn't function. But long story short, in working her up, that's really kind of the, the two of our stories kind of combined together of figuring out kind of an algorithm of how to go about working up somebody with suspected breast implant illness and what can it cause and how do you treat it? So that's kind of in a nutshell, how I ended up doing this. And then I just kind of been working with more and more women. And that's where I decided to do the course because so many women, you know, by the time they, they've paid for their implants and then they're going to have to pay to get them removed, you know, they, they don't have the funds to be doing all the other stuff and mm-hmm. seeing all the doctors that they're seeing. And so I thought, well, maybe if I could teach them how to go through the steps to sleuth it out, to figure out why they're feeling bad. So that way they can go and, and get the right help in the right direction and save them a lot of steps in between. And more importantly, to tell them also what it's not, because half the time you may yeah. be thinking it's the implants and it's not the implants at all. And you may not even need to go through that surgery to have them removed because all you have to do is fix your thyroid, fix your adrenals, fix your gut, and then you're a different person. So that's how I kind of ended up with all of that. That's amazing. Once again, you were uh, pioneering in an area that was virtually you know, unexplored. I, I would imagine, I mean, I sort of did a little digging uh, based on you know, your TED talk, and I and I found some things where silicone was questioned even back in the 60s, like oh, in, yeah. in Japan, but yet it, um, 
was, you know, no, nobody would pursue it. I mean, it's, it's again, and it was just pulled off the market for a while, you know, and, and then there's like, Oh, it's okay. And, and so there's been controversy over it all along. And, and I'm not a Silicon basher. I'm not going to tell everyone that they all have to have their implants removed. That's not where I'm coming from. Right. Cause a lot of women have them and they don't have any problem, but the, the, the biggest challenges is that when women do have a problem, they're not heard. They're not listened to. Right. They're told they're crazy. They're told, right. oh, you're just anxious. You're making things up. And it's real. I mean, there's some real things. And, and the arguments that traditional medicine gives for, well, it can't be that is because when you remove the implant, some women don't get better. Well, when it right. sets off that cascade, you know, like in my TED talk, I think I used the analogy yes. of forest fire. When you when you light the match and you set the forest fire. Just because you put out the match doesn't put out the forest fire. So uh, Laura, that is that is a fantastic analogy because yeah. I think that uh, so explains how in medicine we want it to be one thing. We want to do exactly. one thing and one right. thing solves it. So it, it sounds like to me that maybe your course is going to help people look at all angles, explore different areas, not jump to any conclusions, not yeah. let fear take over. Exactly. Uh, yeah. I, I think fear would be a big, a big factor here. So when women come in to me, a lot of times they're coming in with just stacks of lab work and have been to four or five physicians. And a lot of times the answers are actually there because the they're not looking at the labs with the right lens right. and or with the right, you know, ranges because they'll say, oh, it's normal. But when you really look at it, it's not optimal. And it's about tweaking, tweaking those things. And so many times you can kind of get on a rabbit hole. I mean, there's, there's almost like two camps. There's one that's like, oh, it's never breast implant illness and they don't want to hear it. They don't want right. to you know, explore it. And then there's, then there's the other camp that it has to be breast implant illness. And, you know, some of the times it's not, it's actually something else. Um, so I, you know, I worked with a, a, a wonderful lady who had had years of problems and was convinced there's breast implant illness was a huge champion for it. And, you know, had a Facebook group, had, she was lived in another state. And, you know, when I went through her history and went through everything, I was like, you know, I'm just not sure that this is really connected. And long story short, she had an, an underlying gut infection that yes. didn't mean that the traditional symptoms of that particular gut infection. Once we treated that, she was fine. Had nothing to do with her implants. Oh, and I she'd been through all of that for years. And, you know, talk about very upset and angry, you know, rightfully so, because it just kept getting missed because it didn't fit the traditional, well, you have this infection, you usually have these symptoms and she didn't have any of those symptoms. So it was just kind of an interesting thing. And, and it's those kind of experiences that actually led me to start thinking about how to, to work that up. And that's where the TED talk came from was mm -hmm. because it's like, okay, that was kind of my, um, oh, how I assimilated things uh -huh. on how to approach somebody, all the different things that have to be checked off for, before you say it's your implants. Now I have had probably two, maybe three people in 16 years that I went, it's your implants. You got to get them out. Uh -huh. That's how unusual it is for me to be able to say right away. The other ones are, okay, we've ruled all this stuff out. You're still having issues. Yes. You need to go ahead and get them out. 
Now, if they're ruptured, that's a different story. But a lot of times these aren't ruptured. These are, you know, intact implants that we're just trying to decide if somebody's having a problem with them or not. Well, in in your uh, uh, deep dive into people's health, I would see all the different components coming together with this because you've, you've were one of the first people that ever tested for heavy metals. Um, you're looking at a stool test to see what was, what all is happening. You know, so many, I have this joke in my regular monologue podcast that, you know, we don't want to be normal because normal is constipated, irritated, frustrated, you know, overwhelmed, you know, dehydrated. (laughs) And, and I mean that, that normal, so many of, of my patients, they'll come to me and they'll say, you know, I only poop every four days, but my gastroenterologist said that's your normal. And so, mm-hmm. you know, if they have all those underlying normals of, you know, dehydration, um, nutrient depletion, you know, all of that, um, then since because you're looking at all that, you can, you can rule those things out. But then also, Laura, uh, what, what I see with patients with you is that they come out overall healthier because you're dealing with those things and not just, you know, a, uh, a single uh, solution that's supposed to solve everybody's problems. So right. they're going to heal better if they have to have surgery, uh, whatever they have to do because you get their gut healthy, because you stabilize their hormones, because you get them moving. Um, they're in a place to heal. Right. And the body's connected. So, you know, when the body starts actually having symptoms, it's usually not one thing. It's kind of like a puzzle. You know, you can't, you have to have all the pieces of the puzzle. So I tell people is you have to optimize each system in order to get the overall picture of the puzzle. Because if you just focus on one and say, oh, this is going to fix it. The answer is it's not, you know, it might get some, you know, you might get 30% better. You might get 50% better, you know, in rare cases like mine, I think because I, you know, I ate right. I had, I was had a lot of things that were already right. By the time I got them out, you know, I did a little bit of a detox thing afterwards when I realized, oh, wow, this was a problem. Um, but I already had some, a bunch of things right going in. So to your, to your point of that. So it's all about pulling all those pieces in and weaving them together into a whole picture. So it sort of sounds like to me, your course uh, is going to be, you know, of course, focused on breast implant illness, but it's going to be useful for really lots of, lots of women to even help their friends. You mentioned in your Ted talk that breast augmentation was the number one cosmetic procedure that, that surprised me. So it's one in 26, I think you said, uh, women. Yeah. Yeah. But there's been a shift. It's interesting because, you know, the plastic surgeon, that, you know, that I've used way back, you know, cause that was in 2010. Um, he's now the, his number one procedure is explant. It's not implant. Oh my goodness. So explant. It's, his practice has completely shifted, you know, and he called me several years ago and he's like, okay, I'm a believer. I'm a believer in breast implant illness. What labs do I need to run to help these women figure out if this is connected or not? And I said, well, you know, at the time I said, I'm working on it because there's not a single lab that says this is what you've got. Mm-hmm. And so I had to start figuring out, okay, if you do have symptoms, you know, what are the things that are most likely to flag and be a problem? And it's not your traditional labs. The traditional labs are almost 
always normal. With exception, there can be some autoimmune markers and there's some specific autoimmune markers that can be really linked. There was a really nice study from Israel that showed that women who have breast implants had an increased incidence of diseases like scleroderma, Sjogren's and sarcoid. Those were the top three that they had actually narrowed in and felt like there was a big link. Um, wow. Thank so, you for that. I see a lot um, of Sjogren's, you know, yeah. uh, but I don't think all Sjogren's are implants. Right. Okay? Of course not. So yeah. Of I course think not. there's a lot of other things going on with that, you know? Right. So, but it's, it, it's just one of those things that you just have to kind of like ding, put it on the radar of, Oh, could this be a problem or not? Mm-hmm. Um, but, and then, you know, even though you have the suspicion, there's really nothing that says, Oh, definitively, right. this is it. You know, and there's a lot of, I mean, making that decision to, to remove your implants, there, there's a lot of an emotional oh, investment in that yeah. too. They have to really be ready because most women, you know, if, bar having had, you know, mastectomies and stuff, you know, they're choosing that on, uh, because they want to look differently. And most of them are very pleased with how they look and to have them remove the tissues very different. And you really need a good specialist to be able to do good reconstruction to make sure that the, the result is good. But even then it's an emotional journey because, you know, they feel like the implants are making them sick. And then now they have a change in their physical habitus. And, you know, there's a lot tied up to that. You know, there's a lot of, of you know, if the insurance is going to cover it, there's a lot of family dynamics going on with it because you look fine. You know, why don't you feel fine? You know, so, um, and then half the doctors are saying, well, you're just anxious here, take this medication for depression. And, you know, you kind of start thinking you're crazy because you don't really understand, you know, no one else understands exactly what you're feeling. Well, and uh, a patient recently said she had a lot of guilt over it. She, (laughs) she, had been so sick and had spent so much time and money trying to figure out what was wrong. And she's like, why did I even do that? I just did it, you know, when I was getting married and I just did it to look better. And, you know, so it's like, don't look back. Don't, don't feel guilty. You know, we're just trying to do the best we can as we go. Um, So so my patience is that, I mean, that's such a good point is that, you know, you made the decision with the knowledge you had that day, you know, So you can't go back and and beat yourself up over that. And, you know, what's important is that you just kind of embrace where you are and you're just like, okay, I'm making the decision that I need to make for myself today, realizing that in 10 years, you'll probably look back and say, oh, well, I probably would tweak something else about that too. And so it doesn't help going back and blaming and, and doing all that. That just carries a lot of negative energy and that doesn't go anywhere doesn't right. go anywhere good. So you have to release all of that, focus on the present. What can you do right now? And a lot of times, by the time somebody actually really understands what they need to do, they're so discouraged. They're so upset. They can't even do that next step. And so if they can kind of, you know, pull themselves up to at least start the next step to start working on that, then then they have that that opportunity. And I love what you said earlier about the hope. I mean, it really is about the hope. And I always tell you know, all my patients that I'm working with is like, you know, we're not going to get there tomorrow. And I will guarantee you within six months and a year, we're still going to be working on this, depending on how sensitive you are. They may be baby steps. Don't give up. We have to hold hope. And we have to realize that we're just going to keep working together step by step, because we will get there if we do that. 
So, cause sometimes, you know, especially if they've got mold, oh my goodness, that is such a difficult thing to address. Um, I had one patient, I mean, I'm the highest mold counts I've ever seen and you tested in urine and she was so sensitive and so reactive to anything that we were trying to pull it out. We were having to take a step back and try to calm the system down. Well, she was so discouraged because she just wanted it out. And I was like, it's not that easy. And, you know, it, it's easy to get on a tangent. Well, I think I'm going to go treat parasite. But like, well, you can't go after the parasite. You can't go after limes. You can't go after the heavy metals until you deal with the mold. That becomes most important because it traps everything. And so you're not going to get very far if you do the other things first. And so it's it's all about trying to figure out what you've got and then how to go about, you know, working on it and then not mm-hmm. being discouraged in the meantime. Well, and seeing a really knowledgeable physician who knows that you've got to handle mold first. So many people mm-hmm. just jump in and do whatever and, and you know, get subpar results. And then, then they right. get discouraged. And sometimes people, you know, it's, oh, forget it, you know. I'll yeah. just take the pills or, or they, whatever. They spend all the money and, you mm-hmm. know, it's like, well, I'm still, you know, I'm only 10% better. And if you go after the right things first, then you'll have better success. So. Well, what would you say people need to be aware of if they have uh, breast augmentation or if someone they love, uh, what, like in the hierarchy of symptoms, Dr. Miles, what, you know, in your opinion, what have you seen with your clinical experience? Well, as far as the symptoms go? Yes. Kind of, you know, some basic things to have for people to have on the radar. So I think that, I mean, the symptoms are all over the place and that's why it's so difficult to pin down, well, you've got breast implant illness because they can be very vague to very, you know, detailed type of thing. I would say that if you are have kicked up some kind of autoimmune condition, specifically the scleroderma, especially mm-hmm. scleroderma, um, and not not to say that lupus or any of the other ones, if you've kicked up something like that, you know, the traditional medicine approach is, oh, congratulations, you've got lupus, we can treat that. Well, what right. caused it? So right. step back mm-hmm. and start looking at all those different pieces. So if you start getting an autoimmune condition, then you need to be very aware. And on the flip side, if you already have an autoimmune condition and you're thinking about implants, you better really have a good talk with the doctor, a good talk with yourself, because there are now starting to show that people who have autoimmune conditions might have an increased risk of having problems exacerbating autoimmune conditions with the implants. And if you go ahead and do them, just have a high radar that, oh, I'm starting to get worse then maybe the implants do need to come out. So autoimmune would be number one. Weird aches and fatigue. Those are um, probably in the in the, the uh, top of the list too. And then the third one would be burning sensations. So one of the biggest toxicities I've seen from the breast implants um, is heavy metals. Because the the implants themselves are made of, you know, 20 plus heavy metals, depending on which manufacturer, and then they're cured with tin. And what I'm seeing is it seems to be the tin that seems to be the biggest culprit. And it's very difficult to measure tin. I used to be able to do a, a really nice blood panel on it, and I can't get that panel anymore, so I have to rely on urine. Well, the mounts are so small, sometimes it's really hard to pick it up in urine. 
And, you know, if it's even on the radar, I, I'm very suspicious that TN is an issue, especially with some kind of burning, kind of nerve pain, that type of thing. That has been responding beautifully to pulling out um, the TN, having fixed if you had mold first or not. You do mm-hmm. have to figure that out. Okay. Oh, but that's I fascinating. The, the burning sensations are big. So autoimmune fatigue you know, achy pains and burning sensations were probably going to be in the very top category of symptoms, but it can be, I mean, it can be anything. I've had women who had these weird fevers kind of off and on, you know, night sweats, not associated with cycles, not associated with menopause. You know, you have to rule all those things out before you go, oh, it must be the implants. Um, where, where would the burning be? Is it in the breast area? Axillary? You know, it can be anywhere. So if they have silicone migration, a lot of times it's wherever the silicone has migrated. So like in my patient who had it migrate underneath her armpits, that's where she was burning. I've had it whether it's in their chest because they'll migrate into that, but silicone can migrate into the lymph nodes anywhere. It can migrate into the lungs. They've actually shown this. It can migrate into the liver. Um, it can be anywhere. So you can't say it's going to be local because everyone always said, oh, it's just going to be local because that's where it goes. Well, actually studies show it can go anywhere. So you can have kind of burning sensations, you know, anywhere. So we always just have to have that as a suspicion. You still have to go through the workup of everything else. But when at the end of the day, then you go, okay, could it be the implants? So then if you have the suspicion it's the implants, then you go, okay, is there mold? Is there heavy metals? Those two things need to be evaluated because that kind of supports the diagnosis that the implants may be a culprit. And then you go from there. If you have implants in and you have high heavy metals, you're going to have to get those implants out because you're not going to get anywhere with the heavy metals because when you start pulling metals out, it's going to pull them out of the implants too. Oh, that is, that is absolutely fascinating. Uh, is the, so the, the urine test you do, is that a provoke test or? Oh, good question. Okay, so provoke tests are a little controversial, even in the functional world. So they're kind of split. So a lot of functional doctors do uh, provocation with um, DMSO or, or something like that. And then a lot of them don't. I never start with the provoke test because if somebody's toxic and you start pulling metals and get them mobilized, they can't get rid of them and they just go and land someplace else. Um, so I have a tendency to stay away from um, severely provoked. Te- I mean, not severely, but more um, aggressively provoked mm-hmm. tests. And I will tell you, the majority of my my people that I really suspect are breast implant issues, I don't even need a provoked test. That's there. Uh, it's there. You just know it. So, but I was, you know, now I may give them a little bit of something with a little bit of EDTA, like a pill you know, mm-hmm. that they take the night before, which is not going to be a huge uh, provocation. And then I have them do at least a six hour test. Uh-huh. So that way I can, you know, at least have an, a, a better idea, sometimes a 24 hour test, depending on, you know, what their symptoms are and what I'm thinking. So, so for our listeners, that would mean um, saving urine for six hours to 24 mm-hmm. hours. And then that would be right. tested, which is um, a pretty standard method of looking for heavy metals, whether right. it be tin, mercury, lead, uh, just arsenic, the whole array. Right. Um, I think as in our world, there's a lot more heavy metal toxicity, isn't there? 
There really is, really is. A lot of different. And there's some good blood tests too, but I I have yet to find another lab that can test the tin. I mean, you can you know you can order tin through a regular lab. The the um, the ranges are not um, finite enough to where we can actually detect it. So Mm -hmm. you have to have different methods to be able to really you know flesh out do you really have heavy metals or not. So like Quicksilver has a wonderful elemental panel. That's really nice. GPL, um, Great Plains Laboratory has a really nice heavy metals um, test. So there's ways to 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 look a little bit deeper into things. And sometimes you'll have to do both. I've done urine and blood mm. because it gives you different mm-hmm. information. And until we get the testing um, up to speed a little bit more, you know, we're always just going to have to have this suspicion and, and look between the lines just because it's normal. You glance at that. Oh, look, there's nothing high. Well, wait a minute. You know, what I've learned and is that especially with TN, I mean, if it's even on the radar and I'm suspicious that they're the, the symptoms match it, then I go after it because chances are it's real. Mm-hmm. How do you go after it? What is your generally I'll start protocol? with the gentle chelation protocol? So, you know, the first thing you have to do is make sure they're detoxing, you know, so you mentioned mm-hmm. constipation, but, you know, they have to be eliminating, you know, are they sweating? In fact, a lot of women like this right. don't sweat at all because they can't detox. So you have to open up those pathways as much as you can, because otherwise you're just mobilizing things. You're not, you're not really eliminating things. You're just mobilizing things. So, and then I start with a, a very gentle chelation protocol that usually starts with something that has EDTA in it and low, low, low doses, always repleting the minerals because when you chelate, you're chelating other things too. And, you know, it's not an aggressive approach. I mean, there's lots of IV chelations out there and and everything. And I, and, you know, at at some point, if they're not making progress, then we may pivot and, and do, you know, get them to IV chelation. But most of the time you can get the progress that you need by just going low and slow with some, some good capsules that are well laid out and well planned. Yeah. Well, I've always appreciated how your philosophy of start low, go slow. And mm-hmm. um, before I met you, I actually went through a provoke chelation just out of curiosity mm-hmm. uh, as a dentist. I mean, dentistry is, you know, a very uh, toxic environment. And, you know, in the days before we understood what mercury and just all the materials, uh, the danger of the materials, you know, we, it was just everywhere in the air. We did, when I was in school or we didn't even wear masks and, um, or gloves. And so I decided, well, I had a really young patient or a patient who, you know, um, was biologically young, chronologically, he was in his seventies, but he was so vibrant. And so, uh, I learned about chelation through him. Interesting mm-hmm. though, I went through a provoke test, started getting uh, treatments, and the doctor did not replete minerals. So oh. one day, I literally crashed, had a rash mm-hmm. all over. Uh, we were out of town. Thought I had gotten. We were actually, you know, camping out. Thought I had gotten into something, uh, but it was just no minerals. And so it's so good uh, that you're bringing out that you've got to replete minerals. You you can have a procedure done that is so beneficial for your body, but other things are happening too. It's never one thing. Right. We we want it to be one thing, but it's not one thing. Mm -hmm. You're right. So what can, um, what can people expect from your course? Um, I mean, will it be classes? Well, the course is laid out in modules. 
And I, you know, eventually actually it's, I'm probably going to launch it to where women in general, it's targeted for women. Okay. But women in general can do it. So if they're tired, well, like I was, you know, I was saying, okay, why would I use when I was in my thirties that I could do to, to learn and, and help myself without having to rely on a medical system that's saying you're fine. So what I've done is I've laid it out and basically it's in sections. So, you know, we go through a timeline because timelines are very important to figure out, especially when you're trying to figure out when you got sick. Okay. What could it be related to? Because sometimes stress is the big factor. Sometimes an illness that, you know, you travel someplace, you got sick, that type of thing. Um, Maybe it's the implants. You know, there's a lot of things that are very important with timelines. Then we walk through labs and I actually am trying to teach people on how to read between the lines on your very oh, own lab. Love it. And love it, love it. by doing the course, we actually even have a segment where you can actually order your own labs. So you mm-hmm. have the results so you can look at it. So I go through, you know, this is what, how you interpret thyroid. And I may actually draw it out. This is what's normal. This is what's not. This is the difference of the thyroid medications. This is how you would treat it if this was high, this was low. Not so you can do your own medication, but so you know when something's off. Right. You know, and then we go through adrenals, we go through the autoimmune markers, how to read blood sugar markers. So lab interpretation is a big chunk of that. Then I go through the gut and you know, walk through kind of what I love the GI map, which is a, a special yeah. school analysis that looks deeper than your traditional type of gut markers. And so we walk through, this is, you know, a a lab order. This is what it looks like. And these are the things that you could do trying to do as much natural things. And if it needs medication, I'll say, Hey, this needs medication here. So that way you can go to your doctor show and say, look, I have C. difficile. And they go, Oh, well, let's treat that. You know? So you're not blindly just flying them around to all different doctors. I have mold testing in there how to read your mold testing, huge mold protocols on doing, because most mold pro- protocols are actually over-the-counter things anyway. And then I have heavy metal testing as well as heavy metal protocols using the natural things as much as possible. And then um, go into a section with mast cell activation, because what I see is the longer people are dealing with things, and this is not just breast implant illness, right. this is a lot of other things, right? Right. There, mast cell activation is a, a key issue. If you're reacting to everything, you know, you've got more and more food sensitivities or you think super sensitive to everything, to smells, to, to topical things, there's a good chance that you have the mast cells, which are your histamine cells, mm-hmm. your histamine system is activated. And that has become a very, very important piece of things. And I've seen women, I mean, one of the sickest, uh, ladies that I saw, she's, it was, it was so sad. Everything had gone on for so long. She was so sensitive that she couldn't, she couldn't drink water without breaking out in hives, oh, having reactions. And she was having to do, she needed IV Benadryl like three times a day just to get through the day without having major reactions. Implants were out, everything was out, but we couldn't do anything at all until that system was stabilized. Because the minute you gave her anything, she reacted. And so it's all about stabilizing that system. So I really put a section in there because of that, because there's some things you can do. Um, even there's some, you know, some exercises you can do that you can just do off the internet 
that are hugely helpful for this. And so I have a whole section on that just to start identifying that and get people starting on that because if you can start on those kind of exercises, then you'll you'll not you're not going to react as much to the treatments. So that way you can tolerate things better and move along mm-hmm. even faster. So that's kind of how it is. It's seven modules. And so, and we're going to, um, right now, the one I'm, I'm doing, we start actually on Sunday. I've got a group, they're my founders group. And so they're going to, we're doing it live and we're going to be going through week by week. And so they can give me a lot of feedback of, oh. okay, this didn't make sense. You know, let's, let's change this. We, we would like to see this added to the course and then once I get through the live, then I'm going to turn around and actually put it out where it's a kind of a do it yourself. You'll go through it. And then throughout the course, there'll be some live phone calls, conference calls with me to say, hey, I'm stuck here. You know, what do you think about this? Or, you know, this was my lab. What happened here? That type of thing. So that way women can start actually figuring themselves out without being at the mercy of having to go to 10 different doctors and spending $20,000 on just the doctor fees before they actually get the real test ordered and making sure they get the right test order. Well, I've always thought you were a genius. And um, I mean, once again, this Uh is a genius idea. No, I do not have breast implants, but I want to sign up for the class when you launch it because uh, it's going to be so valuable. Uh, And knowing Dr. Miles and just how she approaches things, I would just... Um, encourage everyone listening to consider the class because you're going to learn so much that's going to not just save you money and time. You're just going to have more energy for your relationships. You're going to have, you know, more vitality. You're going to sleep better. Uh, It it sounds wonderful. It sounds so empowering. And then in seven modules, what I see coming from this, Laura, down the line is some kind of meetup where we can, you know, you, we can, you know, have you live, you know, people can maybe pay a membership or something. I mean, that would be so useful. Um, I mean, seriously, it would be so well, useful. I think educating women to to be able to look at their own things. Right. To me, that's like one of the biggest things. One of the, the biggest compliments I ever get is when my patients come in and they go, oh, my, my, my daughter had some labs drawn by her doctor. And I looked at those labs and I went, that's not normal. I was like, oh, I love that. Because yes. it's like, you learn something. Because I every time I work with a patient, I go, Okay, let me show you what I'm talking about, because I want them to be able to look at their own labs and go, oh, that's off, because there's going to be times that they don't see me and they get other labs from somewhere else or their kids or their husband or, you know, and then or their friends. And they'll look at that and they'll be able to say, you need to look at this a little bit closer. And that's the goal, because we, we can't just rely on just one person telling us, well, that's normal, especially when we don't feel normal. Well, or just, you know, waiting for it to get worse, uh, you know, if they're, maybe they're in the normal range, but it's really pushing, you know, say prediabetes, for example, when I got, um, my diagnosis of CLL, I got a bunch of, um, testing with that and my A1C was 5.5. Well, that's in the normal range, but that's not what I, where I wanted it to be, you know, that's far from optimal. So Because of that information, um, I I could know to start working on that, which I have. But interestingly, um, I was referred to an oncologist who said, and and I quote, I don't want to see you till you're sick. And Mm -hmm. um, 
they won't do anything until your numbers are really bad. Right. And I feel right. great. I have, I mean, if it right. weren't for that deep dive test, I would even know I had this. And probably lots of people, you know, have things they don't right. know about. Um, right. So, so I thank God for that. But, but because of your encouragement to go through A4M and then as a dentist, I went through, you know, the master's program um, through the right. medical school just for credentials as to make sure I stay in my lane um, dentally. But, um, you know, I, I know what to do. I know, and I have resources like you to help me not have to watch and wait. And I think just right. so many people out there, if they can look at their blood test and say, hey, wait, uh, this is not this is not where I want to be. How do I get back in the more optimal area? I mean, right. that that reaches into eternity, really, with, you know, uh, baseline health, with uh, right. keeping your terrain healthy and maybe being resistant to other things. I mean, all these things in your course are going to help people be less susceptible to diabetes, to cancer, to autoimmunity, to anything, maybe right. something that they don't, they're not experiencing. But, you know, so often people think, um, oh, you know, I was just walking along and I, now I have diabetes, you know, they, they don't see the connections. Um, well, that's what I was going to say, uh, you know, you always hear, you, you know, you hear somebody it's like, oh, well, they dropped dead from a heart attack. They were completely healthy. No, no, they weren't, <laughs> you know? Now there are a couple of arrhythmias that can happen, you know, with runners and that kind of stuff. But for the most part, they weren't completely healthy. And those are the things that you can, you can detect those things 10 to 15 years yes. before that event. So it's all about changing the trajectory of where you're going, because if you don't know where you're going, you're, you, you know, you're really going to get there in a mm -hmm. really bad way. Yeah. You better you're going to look around going. and yeah, you're going to mm -hmm. look around and have very few options. Once you get yeah. to that point, um, right, right. way few options. Well, Absolutely. Well, thank you, Dr. Miles. I uh, encourage everybody listening to to look at uh, Dr. Miles' website. Uh, she's got all kinds of good information. Sign up for her newsletter. It comes out once a week. It's uh, on a diverse diverse subjects. I'm always intrigued to see what she's thinking about. And, um, I, I think too. you'll, you'll find, you'll find something you love there. Um, check out her Ted talk, uh, just go to YouTube and, uh, put in Laura miles, uh, TEDx, and you're going to get, uh, exhilarating talk. I mean, there's just so much more that, um, that you can learn from that. I, I, I could hear this over and over because, um, there's just always something new to learn. Is there anything else you would like to tell our listeners, Dr. Miles? Um, I think we pretty much touched on most things. I think the final thing that I would like to reiterate that you've already brought up is that if you're not feeling great, then keep looking. Don't stop right. looking and keep digging right. because trust your intuition. I can't tell you how many women I see, you know, that they were like, well, you know, I just knew something was wrong. Well, trust yeah. it. Trust your intuition because if you know there's something wrong, there probably is something wrong. And it doesn't mean it's like life changing as far as like cancer or anything like that, but it just means that something's not an alignment. And, you know, everyone's like, oh, it's my hormones. Well, it may be your hormones, but I mean, you're not feeling bad because you have a testosterone deficiency, you know, that may help a little bit, but there's something else going on. Mm -hmm. So go a little deeper than that, because I think that's where you'll find your real answers. So, and thank you for the opportunity to, to do this. It's so exciting to oh, see 
Thank how you. you've evolved and everything that you've gone through. It's just been, it's so fun to see everything that you have accomplished and now you're doing podcasts and good for you. Well, thank you. You've been such an inspiration. It's just uh, been a joy to know you. And uh, I thank you for joining me on Vitality Made Simple. And go to Dr. Miles' uh, website. It's actually called Vitruvia MD. And that has a story behind it. Can you just kind of tell us what what does Vitruvia mean? Well, when I first started this, um, because it was, I was really out there in, you know, in Oklahoma, this was not heard of functional medicine. So it's like, okay, I was advised to not have my name on something because they were like, you know, everyone thought I was crazy. So I started looking for things and I hired a company, Sarah Sears with Best Design did a fantastic uh-huh. job. And they came up with the Vitruvian. They kept coming back to the Vitruvian man, which was Leonardo da Vinci and the little guy in the circle. Uh-huh. And uh-huh. the whole idea was that, you know, that was the first time that, you know, the, the man was drawn to help kind of bring in medicine as well as the beauty of medicine. So you know, and the circle for me represents it's everything together. Yeah, you know, that's it's perfect. not just it's not just your your medical stuff. It's your emotional. It's your you know, mm-hmm. it's it's your physical. How you're sleeping. How you're exercising. How you're eating. It's you know, it's the whole person. So the Vitruvian um, man was the inspiration for Vitruvia, which to me is like the balance, uh, the whole balance all together, the circle of life and looking at medicine in a holistic way. Oh, that is beautiful, Laura. That is that is beautiful like you. Thank you so much. And, and thank you all for listening. Um, just join us, join me each week. We'll be talking about something that can improve your vitality and improve your relationships. Blessings until next time.